All right. Hey, as you're finding your seat, uh, just a couple things I want to make sure that you guys are in the know about. First and foremost, I know this isn't uh, necessarily anybody in this room, but just uh, to let everybody know uh, what's going on, that something that we're excited about. Uh, on March 25th, we're going to be doing something that we call The Art of Parenting at the Art of Play. And so if you're a parent like myself, uh, one of the things that uh, we love is this place called The Art of Play. It's located on the corner of Broadwater and 24th Street. And the opportunity is this. Not only is it a great place to play, there's a lot of, it's basically an open play environment with all the toys kids could ever want. It's like, you know, a dream place for a kid to go. Uh, but more than a space to come and have our kids play, our kids director, Jenny Barkak, is going to be there. And she's just incredible uh, when it comes to early childhood development and helping parents, myself, and anybody that's interested to understand what's going on in a child's brain and mind and how can we help uh, us as parents interact with our kids better. And so it's an opportunity to kind of observe Jenny as she's working with kids, hear what she's doing. But even more than that, what I love is it's an opportunity for other parents within the CMYK community to just get together as the kids play and, you know, share the joys in life and commiserate around things like the loss of naps and, you know, watching what you want in the middle of the afternoon on the TV because that's gone once you have kids. So anyways, uh, this is something uh, we love doing. We love the opportunity to host. And so uh, would love it if you know somebody that would want to be a part of this. March 25th. Um, secondly, I want to make sure that everybody knows on March 31st, which is just a few days after that, we're going to be hosting something, our first ever core community meeting. If you've been following along with the CMYK community for very long, you know that one of the things that we are hopeful about is not uh, that this place is not just a space for one guy with a microphone to share his ideas, but that this would be a church, this would be a community where we are all bringing our voice to the table. And one of the best ways that we can do that is through this meeting, a core community meeting that's going to be happening on March 31st. It's a Sunday afternoon, and my hope is that you would do your best, we've been letting you know about this for weeks, that you would do your best to get there. And maybe you're somebody that's like, man, I don't know that I want to you know, jump off that cliff into the core community, whatever that means, because this is the first one. So I get that, that there's a lot of question marks about whether or not this is something you want to be a part of. I would hope that, man, just come. We're not going to you know, force you into anything or make you sign up for life for anything, but our hope is that you would come, check it out, bring your voice to the table, and maybe make a decision even after this first meeting that we would have the opportunity to talk about a lot of really good stuff as a community in a church, whether it's your first time or whether you've been a part of this thing for a long time, we believe your voice matters, and this is one of the best places that we have to do that. And it should be a lot of fun as well. So more details about where that's going to be uh, to come in the future, but hopefully you can uh, schedule that within your calendar. Okay? I'm going to pray really quickly, and then uh, we're going to jump into it tonight. God, it's my hope that as we talk about what we're talking about, <clears throat> that um, with all of us carrying different... Um, potentially different ideas, beliefs, thoughts, politics uh, into this space. That there would be a unifying heartbeat that uh, we could connect around, and that heartbeat would be the heartbeat of Christ. And whatever that looks like, however that's implemented uh, in our day-to-day -day lives, us leaving this space, that there would be something tonight, whether it's through the conversation or something spoken, that um, would stir us and move us towards that and uh, that there would be a reason we're here tonight to leave this space and to see ourselves engage a more beautiful way forward together. In the name of Christ we pray and we say together, amen. So uh, as we've mentioned a few times tonight, uh, we are in the midst of this series entitled Voice. 
And uh, the whole point of this series is coming to understand more and more the voice that we all carry and the voice that we all have and the propensity that we all have to see our voice lessened, even the older that we get, that we feel like my voice, my thoughts, my ideas, my hopes, dreams, they don't matter as much and to potentially prop other people up. And particularly tonight when it comes to this idea of our voice in politics, in a space like this, um, a church-type setting, uh, it can be an incredibly interesting and for some challenging conversation to think about your voice in a space like this when it comes to politics. Because many of us know we grew up in a country, we're part of a country that has this separation of church and state. And for me, I grew up in a home that had that separation fairly, very clearly outlined. I, I was very involved and plugged in to church, and that was a giant part of my life and conversations and things that we were constantly doing. If the church doors were open, the Blakesleys were there. And so we were having conversations around that. But those conversations rarely, if ever, had anything to do with anything on a political level, what was happening in our nation politically, because that church was for church things. And I simultaneously grew up in a home where my father was and is political. He has ideas and beliefs and hopes for what would happen politically in our country. And so much so that every, every birthday and Christmas, what we would buy for my dad was a Rush Limbaugh book because we just knew that that's what he would like. So that's what we would do every single year. I don't think he ever read one of them, but we just knew he liked Rush Limbaugh, so we would buy him Rush Limbaugh books. Uh, so much so that <laughs> just a few weeks ago, uh, we as family were going through some old family photos and we came across this picture of my younger brother, Aaron, when he was in second or third grade. And he's standing next to a cardboard cutout of Bill Clinton, which was the most comedic thing that we could have ever come across because we grew up in a home where Bill Clinton was the worst person on planet Earth when he was the president. And we heard about it every night at dinner, how awful he was. And here's this picture of Aaron standing next to Bill Clinton. And Aaron is very much a liberal Democrat now. And so it's like, see, Dad, this is your fault. Uh, but we also joked about the fact that Dad probably never knew that that photo existed because Aaron would have never been invited back into the home if he knew that that picture had taken. This was the kind of home I grew up in. There was a separation. Yes, there's political things, and yes, there's church things, but those two things do not mix ever. And what ended up happening for me, and I think for a lot of us, is the propensity to see that spirituality had its own bucket, and politics and what was happening in our country had another bucket. And our spirituality was never meant to really influence our politics, and our politics was never meant to influence our spirituality. They were two very separate things. And for me, the more that I've, I've spent time on planet Earth and the more that I've spent time and energy studying the life and the teachings of Christ, there's something that continues to rise to the surface that uh, has really challenged a lot of that for me. And that is the fact that Jesus, if we're honest about his words, is an incredibly political figure. And that the message of Jesus and the words of Jesus have a very political drive to him. Not just today in our current culture, but really, when we look at the state and the place that Jesus comes from, 2,000 years ago, Rome was the most dominant power on planet Earth, and the Jewish people, which Jesus is one of them, is under the foot of the Roman government. And what we know is that there is this continual uprising of Jewish people known as the zealots that are continually trying to overthrow the Roman government, and Jesus is continually pointed at by the Roman government and by others as one of those zealots, that his message was incredibly political on a lot of levels. What we know is that we see over and over and over again that Jesus is not talking about just where you go when you die and this concept of eternity and salvation. Yes, those are concepts that Jesus talks about, but they are just so 
small and minute compared to the numbers of times and the amount of conversation that Jesus has around the concepts of how you're engaging in the world around you. And part of that engagement is a political conversation. I think it's important to note that Jesus, towards the end of his life, he's riding into the city of Jerusalem. And many of us have heard this story of Jesus riding into the city of Jerusalem, and everybody shows up from the city to celebrate and applaud this man as he comes forward. And they celebrate and applaud him as the one that's going to fix all of their problems. He's a political figure that they believe is going to overthrow the Roman government. And what we know from the story is that a few days later, the crowd turns on him. And the crowd doesn't just turn because they're flippant. The crowd turns because they begin to see and realize through his teachings and through his work that he is not coming with a sword and he is not coming to overthrow Rome in the way that they want. He's not the political figure that they want. And out of their frustration and angst of Jesus' political message that they choose to crucify him. They rally around this concept that this guy's got to go. Jesus is an incredibly political figure. I love the way Raza Aslan says it in his book, Zealot. He says, consider this. Crucifixion was a punishment that Rome reserved almost exclusively for the crime of sedition. The plaque the Romans placed above Jesus as he head as he writhed in pain, king of the Jews, was called a titulus, and despite common perception, was not meant to be sarcastic. Every criminal who hung on a cross received a plaque declaring the specific crime for which he was being executed. Jesus' crime in the eyes of Rome was striving for kingly rule, i.e. treason, the same crime for which every, nearly every other messianic aspirant of the time was killed. So for me, the more and more that I understand Jesus, the less and less I can see this separation of why my spirituality and my politics and those two things never, ever mix. But Jesus is an invitation into how I'm engaging in the political discourse around me. What we know is that Jesus was a part of a political climate where so many people, everybody, most everybody, could look at the people in power, particularly in their culture, Caesar, and they would say, they're the ones that call all the shots. They're the ones that define how the world is going to work around me. And what we know is there's a tendency throughout history for people to just sit and become spectators of the world around them because you know that there's a king on the throne, there's an emperor, there's someone else with more money, more power, more influence, and so why bother? And the message of Christ over and over and over again was one of calling those from the outskirts, calling those whose voices had been pushed to the outside, calling those that were losers and poor and meek and everybody else said their voice doesn't matter. And Jesus was this radical turning everything upside down and says, no, blessed are the meek, blessed are the poor. They are a part of this thing. And Jesus was continually inviting anybody and everybody to come and be a part of this thing. And what I know is that we and I live in a culture that very easily has the same narrative. There are those on the top, those with power, money, and influence, and they're making all the decision. And so why bother? Just become a spectator. And particularly in today's culture and age, there's a lot to spectate, <laughs> whatever side you're on. Man, you can get a lot, of, a lot of really good stuff to watch or bad stuff to watch and just spectate the world around you. But at the core of the message of Christ is, no, your voice matters. The outsider, the poor, the lonely, the meek, those that everybody has said, no, you, just, you can turn around and leave. Jesus is saying, no, you get here to this table. This is why this stuff matters so much to me. And I see Jesus use this word over a hundred times in the Gospels. It's this word kingdom. There's a lot of other words Jesus could have used to talk about this idea of the kingdom of God. 
the family of God, the kinship of God. He could have used many other words, but very dominant is this idea of kingdom. That there's something here and now, this kingdom of God that we are working to bring and be a part of in this moment. We just prayed it in the Lord's Prayer. It's a part of what we're seeking as followers of Christ, seeking as healthy spirituality to say there's something good and true and beautiful that we are here to seek and to see on planet Earth. And for me, that comes when we learn to bring our voice to politics, not to just find this separation. There's someone in our community that I think is, has kind of worked through this on a different level than most of us. And so I thought, man, if we're going to talk about this, we got to hear his voice and kind of his journey in some ways. We already heard him and his angelic singing voice earlier tonight, but I think uh, I'm excited to hear what he has to say about this topic. So would you please welcome Ben McKee back to the stage, platform, front, whatever we call it. Awesome. <clears throat> thank you, sir. Yeah, thank you, Matt. So... Um, <clears throat> Just jumping right into it, you are someone that has a political story uh, that brings you to this point. And so uh, what brings you here and what kind of has been your story up to this point politically? Sure. Well, um, I'll start with my backstory. I grew up in Pennsylvania. I uh, lived there my, my entire childhood and adolescence, raised by a politically apathetic single mother. Uh, so I certainly didn't get any kind of political uh, inspiration from her. I went to Penn State and moved out to Montana after graduation because the first, uh, the first job offer I got right out of college was at the Yellowstone Boys and Girls Ranch. So I worked there for about two and a half years. And for the last three years, I've been working for CASA of Yellowstone County. Um, CASA stands for Court Appointed Special Advocates, so what our organization does is advocate for children in the foster care system. And the reason why I'm speaking today is because uh, last year, 2018, I decided to run for the state legislature. Uh, the state legislature is the, the body in Helena that uh, meets once every two years and uh, votes to amend or create new laws. So I ran for that, and I was not successful in my campaign, but it was nonetheless a, a very uh, valuable and rewarding experience for me personally, personally fulfilling. And I'm looking forward to chatting more about that. Awesome. So you decide to run for office. How old were you when you decided to run for office a year ago? 27. 27 years old. So uh, most of us have been 27, are close to 27, uh, and that is not, I assume, most of our thinking of, what could I do when I'm 27? I know, I'm going to run for office. Um, so what was it for you that, decide, that you decided as a 27-year-old that you're going to run for office? Because that is not common uh, on many levels. Well, my, my passions that motivated me to want to undertake that I think stem from my career working in a human services field, uh, because in that in that realm, in that type of career, you very much are exposed to how public policy coming down from various levels of government can affect your ability to help uh, or not help these kids, and you you very much see the the role that politics and government have in making a, a better society or not making a better society. Um, and I think this also stems a little bit from my own personal philosophy on 
the role of government, and a lot of, a lot of people don't feel this way. Uh, perhaps some in the room don't feel this way, but uh, I definitely feel that government can be a force for good in people's lives and in our communities and society. Uh, so I wanted to be a part of that possibility of politically bringing about positive changes for people in their lives and specifically uh, using my my knowledge from, from working in a, a mental health field and working um, in a realm of children in foster care, being able to make a difference in, in those areas. So um, you decide to bring your voice to, to politics as a 27-year-old in a, in a climate that, um, you know, I kind of already referenced it, but it can feel like there's a, a lot of, you know, white men or just people, it doesn't have to just be that, that are already in power, already calling the shots. So why would I try to bring my voice as, as a 27-year-old or as anybody? I think many of us can struggle with this. Why would I bother when it seems like the system's already set up and, and I don't really have anything to bring to that? And, and secondly, why would, why would you bother when there is either side it, this seeming uh, level of corruption and, you know, that there's so many people in power that feels like they've lost the plot. So, so why bother? How do, how do you process that and, and go about that? Sure. Well, as a, as a white male myself, I <laughs> could you have a lot of power to challenge that yeah. status quo. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. Good. <laughs> um, but I, I think, I think uh, something that is lacking in, in our current elected officials um, is, is youth, and uh, I, I think that's a valuable thing for, um, for that, that's a voice that, that government's lacking and I think can very much benefit from. Now, um, to kind of tie this into your, your sec, the second part of your question, Matt, um, there is definitely a, a perception and maybe a little bit of a cliche that government is corrupt, that um, officials are corrupt, politicians are corrupt, they're only looking out for themselves. And I think there is some truth to that, but I think it's an oversimplification of, of the reality of the situation. Ultimately, though, if, if you're someone that believes that and believes that the people currently in office are not looking out for your best interests or the best interests of their constituents, um, we, we do live in a democracy, and that is something that we have power over. I mean, we, we're the people that control whether these people go into office or not. So if you're unsatisfied with the current representation, I think we have a responsibility to do something to change that. And in my case, I felt that one thing I could do was put myself out there and be a candidate and be able to offer my own morals and ethics into that equation. Yeah, I, I really like that because for me, there's there's been a shift on, it's easy to look at what's happening politically or even with just what's happening in the community or in the world and think that that's, that's their decision, that's their stuff and, and to really take it off of kind of my shoulders and my responsibility. And, and there's been a shift when, when I start to understand, no, that's just not, that's not theirs. This is ours. That's, that's what this idea of democracy is about, that this is our shared common life together and, and that I'm a part of determining uh, what this shared common life is going to look like. And, and, and to remove my voice from the table is determining 
I mean, that's a creative work that I'm saying, okay, yeah, you guys just go for it, compared to, no, I, I do believe that my voice matters. That, that's been a powerful thing for me, particularly when it comes to kind of city, local stuff that's happening. Uh, I, I just spent so much of my life thinking like, oh, there's somebody in a dark room making decisions. I don't know why it's dark, but they're making decisions. Why bother? Um, but the reality is, no, this is, this is ours. This is our city and our community and and. To view it like that, I, I get to be a part of that. And, and you did that on a, on a state level and doing that on a local level and on so many levels. So when it comes to this concept of the separation of kind of spirituality and politics and seeing those two things as, as not mixed at all, how do you go about that? Are they two separated things? Um, or is there something for you that, that informs a linkage of those two things? Sure. Well, I, I think the, the First Amendment of the Constitution separates those things for a good reason being the importance of not turning our democracy into a theocracy where by majority rule, um, for example, Christians can begin uh, imposing their religious beliefs specific to, to their religion onto the populace. Wait a second. That's not supposed to happen? Yeah. You know, oh, no. Know. <laughs> yeah. Um, but there's, there's very much a fine line because I think... Um, we, when you go into office, you, you very much should be motivated uh, out of a sense of morality and a sense of ethics. And if you, if you don't include those in, in your motivations, then I think you're, you're bound to be um, overtaken by ego, which from my experience, even just as a candidate, not even winning an election, but just being a candidate, it's very easy to, to let your, your ego get the best of you and, and have that be too much of an equation, too much part of the equation in your motivation. So it's important to be centered around some form of, of morals and ethics. And I think spirituality can, can certainly um, help guide those things. Uh, so as a Christian or as a, a, a non-Christian, um, using your whatever whatever spirituality means to you to to keep you centered on doing good in office as opposed to doing evil yeah so I don't think uh, the message for you uh, or me in all honesty in talking about this is that all of us should leave and go register as candidates running uh, in a political uh, sphere that's not the I don't think the the hope necessarily that we all would sign up and I'm going to be governor. I think I I think I'd like to be governor. It sounds like a nice mansion to live. No, that's not a. Anyways, um, but so to look at kind of this community and understand that we're not all going to run for office. Um, what what would you say the role um, or the best thing that we could do when it comes to bringing our voice to politics? Sure, I think. For probably the people in this room and, and people in general, everyone's kind of at a different place in the spectrum for how politically involved or engaged they are. Um, so it's it's tough if if you're if you're not very engaged to decide you're going to run for governor. It's probably not not the best <laughs> thing for anyone. But I think I think something for everyone to consider, including folks in the room today, um, wherever you're at right now in how active or engaged you are in politics, consider taking that one level up. So for example, let's say you're not a voter. You, you typically don't, don't show up on election day. One next step for you would be start voting. 
Take, take that little baby step. Let's say you're someone who votes for presidential elections and that's it. Well, maybe the next step for you is to start voting in every election because here in Billings, we have elections every year. On, on odd number of years, we have municipal elections and then on even number of years, we have federal elections. Uh, so taking that next step and, and committing to that. If you're someone who is only minorly engaged, uh, may, maybe the, uh, an option for you would be to um, pursue becoming active in uh, an issue that matters to you. And I can assure you that there's, there's other groups of like-minded people out there, not necessarily specific to a political party, but even just in the realm of, of nonprofits and lobby groups uh, that are trying to make changes for an issue you care about. Seek them out and see if you can add your voice to, to making that issue um, come about. Yeah, I really like that because many times, um, you, you know, you see the, a political movement happening and there's people that are giving so much of their time and energy to something. And we might be passionate about it, but many times we feel like, I can't do that. So we just remove ourselves fully from the, the thing, thinking, man, I, I'm not going to do that, so why bother? But the, uh, the idea, I just love the way you put it, of like, whatever that next step is for you, just bring your voice there because um, it, it really matters. So you have the mic. Uh, looking at uh, this community and the people in this room, what what can we do to serve you, or as Ben McKee, or what would you communicate to us uh, as we go today? Yeah, Matt, I think I think the, the what everyone can do for me is to stop sharing political memes <laughs> on Facebook, <laughs> because I promise you that your crazy uncle did not fact check that meme, and neither did you. No, no, but uh, really, um, I think it's so important for for us as individuals, as citizens, and it's important for our country being a democracy that we be informed. And in this day and age, it's very easy, I think, to become overwhelmed. There's the the twenty four hour news cycle. Things are constantly changing, especially within the last few years. It seems like there's there's breaking news that's important every day and it's hard to keep track of. But we cannot allow that to become complacent individuals. It's just so important, I think, to stay in tune with what's going on locally here, here, what's going on in our municipality, what's going on in our state, and then what's going on on the national level. No matter what side of the political spectrum you are, I think it's you become a, a better citizen and a better person if you're aware of the important things that are going on around you. So that would be what, what you all can do to make me feel better. <laughs> so last question. Um, you are somebody that chose to run for office um, and it didn't go the way that you wanted it to go. Um, but yet this is still something that you're choosing to talk about and, and bring your voice to. What does that process look like for you and, and what does the future potentially look like for you? Is it, I, I ran, I lost, why bother? Or is there something different for you? Well, like I mentioned, running for office was a very fulfilling thing for me, and it was a very positive challenge. I felt throughout my course of running for office that I was challenged to become a better person. And that was interesting for me to realize because you put that in contrast of what people associate politics with is, people losing their values and, and losing 
um, the good things about them. And, and I felt, for, in my experience as a candidate, that it was the opposite. So I, I'm not bitter. Uh, it was a, a huge learning experience. I learned a lot. Um, the idea of running again right now is not something I'm quite ready for. Uh, for a number of reasons, um, for me personally. But one of, one of the big things is running for office is a huge sacrifice. Uh, if you do it right, you have to sacrifice a lot of things. I, I made sacrifices personally, professionally. I made sacrifices within my relationship to the person that's now my fiance. And it's very easy when, when you have someone else in your life that you need to stay committed to it's, it's very easy while running for office to push that person aside, um, especially if, if you think that, you know, they'll, they're committed to you, um, so they'll, they'll make the sacrifice as well. But then, uh, from, from my experience, having finished my campaign and having Election Day passing uh, and kind of returning to, to life as normal, I realized that uh, for, for me and Selena, you know, I had allowed myself to drift apart from her a little bit. And so for us as a couple, uh, as partners, we, after the election, after the campaign, we had to make a real deliberate effort to, to become re-engaged with each other and break some of those bad habits that have formed throughout running for office and be more intentional about our time together and, and doing things for each other. Uh, so with that in mind, jumping right back into a campaign, I don't think would be the best thing for, for me where I'm at in my life, but um, I'm certainly not out of the arena and there, I'm still very much engaged in, in the issues that matter to me and it's very possible in the future I, I would consider uh, throwing my, my name in the ring again as a candidate for, for some level of office. Yeah, I loved what you said this morning. Um, uh, you you mentioned, and I just love it so much. I want to bring it up that you you said that running for office was a big big challenge, and out of that challenge, you were made better because of it. So even though you didn't didn't necessarily win, you felt like you put yourself in a place to be challenged, and that challenge made you a better man, um, which I think is 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 really beautiful. And I think many times we can avoid challenge, but here's somebody that's bringing his voice to the table, challenging himself, and because of that, and I think this is part of that link of spirituality and, and even politics, when we, we challenge ourselves and we work to do what is difficult sometimes. It's not the easiest thing. It's easy to sit and be a spectator, but to engage on whatever level we're engaging can be a challenge, but to do that is when we find ourselves actually growing in our humanity. So I really like that. So can we just, <coughs> excuse me, can we just thank Ben for coming and sharing tonight and doing, uh, running, running the whole show this evening? I loved it. Yeah. So thank you very much. Thanks, Matt. Thanks. Beautiful. Um, as we prepare to come to this table of bread broken and a cup shared, um, for me, I, I keep coming back to. Um, this th thought that we every Sunday we come and we pray this prayer of God, your kingdom come. God, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that this bread and this cup is, is a participation in, in being the body and the blood of Christ. It's, it's saying, I'm a part of this thing. I'm a part of that prayer. I'm a part of that hope. And, and to see myself as one and that in, in partaking in this meal, yeah, it's just grape juice and yeah, it's just bread. But that it's a reminder for me, a reminder for us, I hope, 
that this is an incredibly hopeful prayer for our community and for our world. And it's hopeful not because we're going to sit and spectate and just cross our fingers and hope that, that you know, Jesus fixes it all randomly. But it's hopeful because we say, no, I've, I'm a part of this, and i got to bring my voice to this. And that there's something good, true, and beautiful that would come out of this meal, and, and that's found in how we leave this place and how we choose to bring our voice to our community, to our state, to our nation, whatever it is. That you would be one. That to be a follower of Christ is to be engaged on that level, I hope. I think that matters. That matters for us as we grow as human beings, and it matters for the world around us. It matters in how we invite those, just like Jesus did on the outside, to come and speak and partake in this meal as well. So we're going to play a song, and as always, everyone is welcome to this table. Everyone is welcome to come and remind yourself as you take a piece of bread, dip it in the cup, and partake that my voice matters. And my voice matters in bringing this kingdom of God here and now and how I choose to live my life. And I love what Lindsay said earlier. It's not just found in voting. It's found in seven days a week, how we're choosing to spend our time, energy, money, resources, those kinds of things. It matters. It creates the world around us. Whenever you're ready, feel free to come forward, take a piece of bread, and dip it in the cup. Jesus, it's my belief that you are one that came to turn things upside down on so many levels and in so many ways. There was a narrative that was happening culturally about who we are as human beings and what and who this divine uh, is. And part of that turning things upside down is you looking in the eyes of people that nobody else would look in the eyes you hearing stories of people that nobody else took the time to hear. And for some of us, that message is one that we need to turn our own narratives upside down because we believe that we are on the outside, that our voice doesn't matter. And why bother? Um, for many of us, we live in a place of potential despair <laughs> because we believe that the way things are is the way things are always going to be, and we wake up day after day after day in that belief. Um, but God, tonight for me, and, and I hope for us as a community, that this meal is a representation of flipping that narrative upside down. There is hope. There is something good, true, and beautiful, and that is found in this tiny first step of just learning to find our voice and to speak, and to speak good, true beauty into existence and to pursue those things because the world is not the way it's always going to be and our lives are not the way they're always going to be but that we can challenge ourselves we can grow and we can see this kingdom of God come there's something so good about that for me personally tonight and and I hope for us as a community that we leave this place and we engage our city and the world around us on that level we love you same of Christ we pray we say it together amen
Well, thank you so much for being here tonight, uh, brave in the cold weather to, to be here. Um, as always, I want to invite you to hang out for a little bit if you want to. And if you want to purchase something from the bar, feel free to do that. And I hope you can make it back next week. We're going to continue this, uh, this conversation around the concept of voice and the conversation we're having next week. I'm, I'm very, very excited for it. So hopefully you can make it either at 10.30 a.m. or 6 p.m. We'd love to see it. As always, if there's anything we can do for you, please let us know. Thanks, everybody. See you soon. <laughs>